Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking about muscle atrophy after recovering in a fracture walking boot and what runners can do to prevent it. Now, before we get started, I want to mention that Kim actually made a video of exercises you can do to work out when you have a leg cast or a fracture walking boot so you can stay fit and recover faster. All you have to do is go to the bottom of the page for the show notes for this particular episode, and it's embedded there, and you can view it. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running even if you've been injured. I'm really excited to have Kim on the show today to talk about the extent of muscle atrophy that happens when you have a running injury if you have to wear a fracture walking boot. Now, Kim's always been athletic, and she unfortunately suffered an injury that resulted in her having to wear a fracture walking boot to recover. Now, one of the things I've always argued is that running injuries can be a problem, but the real problem is often after the treatment and the treatment that we doctors apply to runners indiscriminately that leads to permanent problems later. Muscle atrophy is a great example. So I recently met Kim and she was explaining to me that she had this Achilles tendon rupture and then developed the same kind of muscle atrophy we all become concerned about. And fortunately for us, she's willing to come on the show and share her experience. So Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. All right. So before we get started, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about your athletic history and what sort of events you always enjoyed. Sure. Yeah. I um, have been for the past, I don't know, 15 years or so. Um, doing triathlons and um, really enjoying all aspects of doing the swimming, biking, and running. And um, had started right before my Achilles rupture to do fairly well in in short races, Olympic triathlons, usually coming in second or third in my age group and really enjoyed the, the competition of that. So you're training a lot. You're obviously super, super competitive because you're placing in your age group. And so did you have a coach or were you just self-coached when you're doing all that? Um, I was self-coached and I also worked out with a group of friends who all did races together. And so nothing professionally coached, but did some different training with groups. And I, I did for a while um, work out with a group at UCSF where we had some coaching. Basically, though, being self-coached and being able to place in your age group is a very difficult thing to do. So you must have had pretty thorough understanding of you know training methods, biomechanics, and all that kind of stuff because you just don't get that fast without really understanding and all those things. So obviously you had like, you know, a lot of knowledge going into this and then you got injured. So what actually happened? How'd you get injured? Um, so the way I got injured is I was playing tennis and I'm not a star tennis player. I was on vacation and I um, didn't know there would be a tennis court. So I, I didn't have proper tennis shoes. So of course I had my running shoes with me and I was out on the court and my husband hit me a drop shot, which I ran to and um just somehow my foot slipped out from under me and I crashed to the ground and and that's how my Achilles ruptured. Okay, so then obviously that's not the best way to um enjoy a vacation. So <laughs> so you're on vacation, you're not even there I would imagine with your normal doctors and did you go to the ER or what happened? So I was there on vacation and um I didn't know I'd ruptured my Achilles. When I came to, I sort of hobble. And so I thought, oh, it's probably just a, a partial tear. I'll, you know, I'm here on vacation with my kids. I'll just stay the rest of the week and get it checked out when I get home. So I continued to sort of try to swim and be active on it. And, um, and then when I got back home five days later, I went to the doctor who did a manual test and said, no, that's a full rupture. You're, you're going in a cast right now. Now, the thing is, though, is that you, you know, I understand that 
you are just trying to be optimistic and you're thinking maybe it's just a partial tear, but that actually happens a lot. I've seen lots of patients that have a full rupture and they actually think it's a partial rupture. So, I mean, I've done surgery on people who call me and they say, well, no, I know it's a partial rupture because I looked at these YouTube videos and I can still feel something there. But there's a there's a little thin tendon that runs next to the Achilles called the plantaris. A lot of times that doesn't rupture. And so that sort of tight band from the plantaris fools people into thinking that they don't have a full rupture. So it does happen a lot, but there is a simple test you can do uh, to evaluate it and determine whether or not you have a full rupture. But it's really common that people, you know, rupture their Achilles and don't actually know that it's completely ruptured. So when he came back, you know, he got evaluated and the doctor said, okay, you have this rupture. So then were you given a fracture walking boot or a cast or how were you treated? Um, so I had biked over to the doctor and he said, (laughs) (laughs) of course you did. And he said, yeah, you, you need to go directly from my office here to the cast room. So they casted me, um, said I would have the cast on for six weeks and then transition to a walking boot with a gradual heel raise. So they casted me in a toe point and, and then said, call around to try to find a ride home for me and my bike. Um, But yeah, so, um, yeah, so he just sent me straight into a cast and said I would eventually move into a walking boot. So basically, not only did you rupture it, but you had already been sort of moving around and stuff for like almost a week before you uh, actually got treatment, right? Yes, correct. Okay, so that makes things worse because when you rupture the Achilles tendon, it can pretty quickly start to contract. And so mm-hmm. your treatment actually becomes a lot worse at that point because if it contracts, then you have to basically point your toes all the way down and sort of push those pieces together to get it to start to heal. And then you have to reverse that process once it starts to kind of congeal and and actually, you know, reform. So then, you know, we have to transition you from, sometimes they'll take off the cast, push your foot up a little bit, recast you, push it up a little more. Sometimes we do that process in a boot, but it does make it take longer. So you got stuck with kind of the worst possible treatment where you're in a cast for a long time, then you had to transition by using a fracture walking boot. I mean, imagine it was miserable, but what was that like, that recovery process? was how many weeks total were you immobilized? If I remember correctly, it was probably about 12 weeks. So I think six, week in, six weeks in a cast and then six weeks in a boot, going in every two weeks and taking out heel lifts so mm-hmm. that I was going progressively from a, a complete toe point to more of a, a flexed foot. Um, right. So yeah, it was, it was a, a long, long immobilization. Okay. But you knew that being in a cast was going to be a problem, right? As an athlete, you understood that muscle atrophy could be a real problem. And you tried to do something, I understand, to try to get around that trouble because, you know, you knew you're going to get weaker, you're going to get stiffer, all that stuff. So what sort of strategies did you use to prevent that inevitable decline that you knew would haunt you later? This is the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's a virtual doctor visit? The idea of not running at all while waiting for my foot to heal was simply depressing. I really needed a second opinion from an expert, someone who specializes in helping runners. What you'll get from Dr. Segler in my experience is expert runner and medical care that's individualized for your needs. I'm left with actionable steps to recover from my injury. Dr. Segler is different and I felt heard, didn't feel patronized, and I felt like he prioritized getting me back to running as soon as possible as much as I did. I just couldn't see sitting around for six weeks knowing my hard-earned fitness would vanish. I know Dr. Segler is an expert and I wanted to see him in person. But frankly, I just couldn't afford the cost of a house call. I saved enough money to pay for my next marathon registration. You have an appointment with Dr. Segler, whether it's via Skype or on the phone. You can expect, one, he's going to be on time. 
two, he's gonna be able to spend more time with you than the typical uh, visit in a doctor's office. And both of those are gonna result in more effective diagnosis and treatment plan for you. I'm a young woman in the Philippines and I hurt my ankle yesterday. I just wanted to say thank you and that it's such a relief to be able to find a website like yours and get some information when I'm in a place with uh, little to no medical care. So I just wanted to call and say thank you. You're awesome. Book a virtual doctor visit and get a second opinion online today. Welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. What sort of strategies did you use to prevent that inevitable decline that you knew would haunt you later? Well, I knew that being immobilized, I would lose a lot of fitness. So the main things I did was what I could do with a cast or a walking boot on. So I took a a pedal off of my exercise bike and started pedaling with one foot while I was in the cast. And then once I had the boot, I was able to, you know, actually be on an exercise bike or a bike and start working out. But I didn't, you know, I I couldn't swim or run. So I just did other kinds of strengthening exercises for the rest of my body. And I knew that I'd have a lot of atrophy in the leg that was being casted, but I'm not a professional athlete. I thought, well, that's okay. You know, if I have to take a year off, I'll just recover over time. But now it's, that was in 2013. It's now 2018. and, And my calf is still way smaller than the other one. And that's what I clearly didn't fend off and, and didn't expect. Okay. So in three years and continuing to exercise afterward, your calf is still smaller, like visibly smaller, yeah. right? Yeah. it's a, It's been four and a half years now. And yeah, it's, it's visibly smaller. And for a while I would measure it, compare it to the other one and do, you know, I mean, I went immediately when I was out of the boot to doing calf raises of every kind, sitting, standing with weight. But I did it for a year and I honestly, um, yeah, just got a little burned out on doing calf raises, but it's still, despite all that, visibly smaller than the other one. Right. So you did get what amounts to permanent atrophy, right? You got some, you know, you now have a smaller calf muscle on your injured side than your non-injured side, even after you said like a full year of trying to rehab it and you measured the calf circumference. And do you, do you even remember like about, you know, what the difference was? I don't remember exactly, but it was maybe three centimeters. It was it was something. Yeah, so quite a bit less. Yeah, and um, it's frustrating. But one of the one of the interesting things is that a lot of times you can get that kind of muscle atrophy, and you know your calf muscle is visibly smaller than the other, but you can still be a really strong athlete. So, do you have any like perceived weakness on that side, or does it feel pretty strong? So it, it definitely looks worse than it feels. I, I feel like. When I, you know, when I run and bike now, I don't feel like that that calf gets particularly sore. Mm-hmm. But I know overall I'm I'm weaker than I was. Um, you know, having tried to go back to doing triathlons, I'm I'm like a middle of the pack athlete now, mm-hmm. and it's a, you know that's disappointing. I don't know if that's a hundred percent due to my calf atrophy. Um, but I do know when I still try to compare, if I try to do say one legged heel raises on my right injured formerly injured leg versus the left that I, I am still weaker. Okay. So it's an interesting thing because like you said, it looks worse than it is. And you know, that is a common thing is that although it is smaller and it's not going to be as robust as your other calf, no matter how much you work out, you can still at least get back to athletic activity. And I think it's important for people to realize that, that they, and there's nothing you could have done differently. You did all the right stuff. You were super aggressive, but when you 
have a, an Achilles tendon rupture, you don't know it's ruptured, and you don't get it treated for you know five to seven days or whatever, um, the treatment is worse, and you're, you're immobilized a lot longer. But it's that progressive immobilization that, or that extensive immobilization that really puts you at risk because it's this exponential decrease in strength that happens. So if we can put you in a boot for only two weeks, that's a lot better than four weeks. And if we can put you in a boot for only four weeks, that's way better than six. And that's way, way, way better than 12. You know, you have to do what you have to do to get it to heal, obviously, but there are all these other things that you can do to stay strong. I know you actually have some, like you made a video of some of the strengthening things you were doing while wearing the boot. I would love to share it. I actually had somebody call me and say, my physical therapist said I should look at your video. And so I shared it with them. Kim actually said, we can embed this video so you can take a look at it. All you have to do is go to the show notes page and you can see it there. Why don't you tell us a little bit about those other things you did to sort of keep the rest of you strong and fit as you were healing? Sure. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I definitely use the exercise bike a lot. Um, also have a, ha- a hand bike, so I would use that just because it was, you know, harder to get out and you know do my regular activities. But just doing things like crunches and sit-ups, one-legged push-ups, you know, even doing squats on my uninjured leg, anything I could do to keep my core strong, and and especially you know just doing side-lying hip exercises just to keep the hips and the core strong so that I would have stability once I was out of the boot was was really helpful. Yeah, no, that's very helpful. So if some, you know, if one of your running buddies called you today and they said, I just ruptured my Achilles tendon, you know, what would be your advice? Well, I think my first advice and the, the decision I struggled most with was to have surgery or not to have surgery. And I decided not to have surgery because the the doctor that I saw said um, that he didn't recommend surgery and felt that the outcomes in recent studies show that the recovery is just as good with the progressive toe-pointed immobilization as it is with surgery. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if I'd be any better off if I'd had surgery, but given that I haven't had a full recovery, I'm constantly second-guessing the decision to not have surgery. And I know for a while, people have been saying, or doctors have been saying, you know, okay, if you're over 40 and you know, you're know you not a professional athlete, then why risk surgery? And so I feel like I was in this borderline situation of like, yes, I'm over 40, but don't treat me like I am. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. So that's the thing is, you know, people always say this, like, well, if you're not a professional athlete, well, what is a professional athlete? You know, is that only that your living depends upon it? But, you know, because a lot of your uh, enjoyment of the things that you do is it's not just exercising. you, I would imagine you enjoyed winning, you know, placing, being really competitive in your age group. And in some respects, I consider those people to be like professional athletes. So all elite athletes, in my mind, are professional athletes, at least the way that we categorize people as physicians. To me, there's a big difference between somebody who plays basketball only in the winter in the church basketball league once a year and then doesn't exercise the entire rest of the year, or somebody who really, as a part of their entire identity and lifestyle, competes and trains on a regular basis, and as a consequence of that, is extremely competitive. Uh, it's, it is a, an interesting thing, and there is a lot of debate uh, among physicians still about whether it's better to treat people conservatively or with surgery, um, because there are so many studies for and have been studies for so long that show that 
this sort of strict immobilization protocol with pointing your foot down, casting you, using a boot to gradually get you back down to the normal position, that it does just as well as surgery. And that's true. And the last patient I treated with an Achilles tendon rupture, I did exactly that conservative routine on him. I've done surgery on some people. I, I mean, I don't know that you would have done any better with surgery. It, you can never say that. The only the only thing is, is that, you know, that you always second guess yourself, right? And yeah. if you have surgery and you wind up in your situation, then those people always think to themselves, well, now I'm a mid-packer. So, you know, <laughs> I wasted all that money and all that risk and I have this big, ugly scar on my leg um, and I didn't need it because I would still yeah. be here. So, you know, you can't win either way. And yeah. the only thing that occurs to me, like, okay, well, what could have been done differently? Well, maybe if you had had surgery and you had some sort of graft to bridge that gap, maybe that could have cut a couple of weeks off your recovery. Maybe if you'd had a PRP injection or stem cell injection at the same time, maybe it would have sped it up, but who knows? And Again, for the people that do all that stuff, if they have surgery and they have a PRP injection or stem cell injection or something, and they spend many thousands of dollars on those treatments, and then they wind up in the same position, they think, wow, I could have bought a new car with that. So you just can't win. And um, you certainly did all the right stuff. There's nobody, no surgeon that I know that would hear your story and go, wow, that was crazy. Why did they do that on her? Yeah. Uh, and I do see patients, frankly, where I think, wow, that's crazy. Why would anybody do that? Um, your case is not one of those. But it really does sort of speak to the difficulty of, you know, having a significant injury. And obviously, like, you know, all the mythology around Ach- Achilles, I mean, you know, the Achilles is uh, is a real problem. And yeah. uh, if you rupture it, it's a real serious problem. But obviously, you did great. There are lots of people who have ruptures like yours, and they never get back to running. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I'm running, I'm running up hills and it's, you know, it's just not as fast as I used to, but I can still do everything. And, and that's, you know, I'm grateful for that. If I, the other, the other thing I might've done differently when I look at what you um, are doing, Dr. Siegler, in terms of my daughter, Nina's recovery from her broken foot, I realized, you know, she can do things with her ankle range of motion that I couldn't have done with my Achilles. But I do wonder if in the later days of having my walking boot, if I couldn't have taken off the boot and, you know, at least massaged my calf or done something where I wasn't so completely immobilized for so long. And and I don't know if I could have, but I definitely wasn't working with somebody who could have talked me through that and helped me make sure that I recovered that part of my body more quickly. You know, you'll never know. Yeah. But with every athlete, I think the goal is always to stay as close to that line of trouble as possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's your jo- that is your job when you're coaching yourself, when you're training. Your job is to train as hard as you can without getting injured or sick. You want yeah. to maximize your body's capacity for uh, tissue damage that can rebuild itself and become stronger before your workout. And your goal is to yeah. stay right below that threshold for injury. So you maximize that possibility. The same thing is true when you're healing. We should always try to figure out what you can do to push the limits to get your mobility back, get your strength back, get your fitness back without re-injuring that tissue that's actually recovering. But that's different for everybody which is why I don't think any one treatment should work for every patient. You need to figure out where that line is with every patient. We're all different. You know, we all have different diets. We all have different physiology. We all sleep differently. There are so many factors that contribute to those things, but we have to figure out what those things are for each of us as we're recovering. 
Yeah. But still, it's a tough injury. You're lucky that you're running. It's great that you're running. That's good to hear. I'm sure you'd uh, like to be back where you were before, but it's really generous of you to come on the show and talk about all your experience so that all the others listening can learn about these variabilities and when they get injured and have this kind of thing. And I know this has been an unpleasant experience for you going through that, but I am really grateful that you're willing to take the time to come on the show today and uh, share it with all of us. Well, thank you. And I am happy to be able to be out there running and doing everything I used to do. And um, I hope that others who have this injury, you know, take the pedal off their bike and just start moving their bodies because there's no reason to wait. Yeah, those things are really, really helpful. I hope it helps others. Thanks. If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me and then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.